0: everybody and welcome back to live from Pawnee i'm alan and with me as always is my co-host mark mark how are you today alan i am doing
1: fan flipping tastic buddy i am so excited the the episode we've been waiting for it's it's here man
0: we're doing it it's like christmas you know you wait for it and you wait for it and then finally it's christmas morning oh my gosh that's next you know like after fall is christmas oh yeah it's time time the wheel of time keeps moving it sure does Mm -hmm. Well, speaking of Christmas, I think the last time we did this was for an episode called Christmas Scandal. But this episode, Harvest Festival, Mark, is so big and juicy Mm -hmm. and beefy, like one of the guest stars, that we are actually going to break this thing into two parts. And it's going to allow us to feature some snippets with our special guest stars, Mo Collins, who plays the fabulous Joan Calamezzo, of course, and Jay Jackson, Mr. Perd Happily. That's right. As well as a couple of special surprises. Oh, that sounds awesome! I am so looking forward to this. Me too. All right, Mark. Well, as I said, this week's episode is, of course, season three, episode seven, Harvest Festival, which first aired on March seventeenth of twenty eleven. Mark, this is also another one of those episodes that they gave us on the DVDs, at least, and the Blu-rays, which I recommend that you pick up. Definitely the producer's cut, which had a runtime of about twenty six twelve, if I'm not mistaken. And the actual standard cut, which was what, twenty one, twenty one, something like that? That
1: sounds right. Yeah,
0: kind of the normal, if you will. This episode was written by Dan Gore. We know Dan, obviously, as executive producer of Parks and Rec and Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yep. And got his start way back on The Daily Show. Uh, got Legally Blonde 3 coming out. He's a screenwriter of that. Oh, so wow. Looking for that. This is his fifth of 10 episodes that he wrote. This episode was directed by Dean Holland, uh, also an executive producer uh, by about 120 episodes or so <laughs> on this show in Brooklyn Nine-Nine and The Good Place. And yep. uh, this is his fifth of 27 episodes he directed. Wow. So that's a that's a power combo is what I call that. Well, I would say so. Holy cow. And so I, I think this is going to be a great episode, Mark. I'm really looking forward to it. Why don't we get to the business of it and let's get into our synopses?
1: Well, you know, Alan, before we do that, I did have a question for you. Now, we had talked about this a little bit and I think you had mentioned that they have both the producer's cut and the uh, the aired version on the DVD. That is true. And, and you and I had agreed that for
0: this review that we we're going to do the producer's cut. Is that right? That is correct. Right. I hope so because if not, our notes are not going to match <laughs> up. <laughs> yeah. So Mark, what you're saying is if they're following along at home, they should be watching the producer's cut.
1: That is absolutely correct, Sir Alan of the Roundtable. I like it. All right. All right. Well, Alan, I, I broke this down into three stories. Excellent. The first story I have as uh, the A story, I just call it the Harvest Festival because you know what? It's just that good. That's all it needs.
0: Mark, do you want me to wait to give my alternative titles for each of the segments afterwards? Oh, oh no. Give, give yours now. Mine was Leslie wants to make the Harvest Festival the best of all. Wow. See, I don't even know why I'm here at this point. You can, you can do this by yourself. That's actually really
1: good. <laughs> That's all I got. Just I d- the title. I don't enjoy it when you're that much more talented than I am. All
0: Mark, right. I've written so many things, but most of them are just titles. I don't write anything <laughs> other than the titles.
1: You're good at it. All right. So anyway, the Harvest Festival or festival, The Harvest Festival is tomorrow, Alan. Leslie surprises everyone by booking legendary Pawnee celebrity Little Sebastian, the miniature horse. Everybody is thrilled except Ben, who, quite frankly, doesn't get it. Uh, Wamapoke tribe leader Ken Hotate visits Leslie and requests the Harvest Festival be moved since it's on a Wamapoke burial site. Mm. Leslie's sympathetic, but explains it's too late. Ken warns them the festival may become cursed. Uh Joan Calamezzo arrives to report on the festival later, trying to find a negative angle, but failing until she overhears Leslie and Ben discussing the curse, which then becomes the focus of her story. And meanwhile, A certain mini horse may or may not have gone missing. Dun, dun, dun. What will happen? Can Leslie hold off the Pawnee Media? What happened to little Sebastian? Is there actually a curse? Stay tuned and find out. Dot, dot, dot. I like it. Yeah. And that's just part one of this episode. Oh, my gosh. There's so much awesomeness. There really is. And you know what? Speaking of awesomeness, (laughs) uh, let's go on to my B story, which I entitled Awesome Sauce. I like it. All right. April and Andy have been dating for a while, Alan, and things are going really, really well. And while playing a ring toss game at the Harvest Festival, April is inspired by how she feels about Andy and tells him that she loves him. How will this turn out? How will Andy respond? Will he say the right thing or will he send her running back into Venezuelan Yanni's arms? (laughs) Only time will tell dot, dot, dot. I can't wait to find out. Oh, I know. Makes me a little nervous, though. A little bit. I want those kids to make it so bad. Mm. It just might make it. Yep. All right. And then the C story, which I entitled use him, abuse him, lose him. I love it. Anne has volunteered to work the Harvest Festival first aid tent along with Donna. While prepping the tent the day before the Harvest Festival opens, Donna asks Anne about Chris, and Anne admits she has not taken the breakup well, Alan, describing how she's kind of bottomed out. Donna offers some advice from Grammy Meagle about moving on. What will happen? Will Anne listen to Donna's advice? Will she make
0: out with the first carny that enters the tent? Never fear. All (laughs) will be revealed. Dot, dot, dot. I love it. Yeah. Well, Mark, our B storyline, we had the same title, by the way. My C storyline, I got a little bit inspired by, you know, the Native American themes of this episode. Yeah. And and mine was called Anne Perkins and the Way of Grammy Meagle. What? (laughs) <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, so good. This yeah. episode I'm I'm really looking forward to it, Mark. Like Me I too. I said last week. It's been a long time since I think I've been uh, this this giddy about something. Well, Mark, should we get into our AKAs cuz I'm a little giddy about those too. Oh, let let's do it, man. All right. All right. Well, I had I had two.
1: Um and the, the the first one I'll call it my runner up comes from uh, the the great Mo Collins as Joan Calameza, sure. and and you know there's, she, there's gold in them their hills, the lots of gold in them are gold hills, um, and she's trying to stir up trouble, Alan, as, as you well know, and and at a certain point she's phrasing things in in, a, in an ugly light on purpose, and at one yeah. point she asks Leslie, how big of a disaster will this be on a scale of nine
0: to ten? Which just made me giggle. I love that. It's like having both kinds of music, Mark. Country and Western. Country and other country. Which one do you <laughs> like best? And then, Are we ever going to do our <laughs> Nemesis episode, Mark? Where we talk about Leslie's Nemesis? Because I think Joan's oh, oh, right we, there at the top
1: of the We, list. we have to. We uh, have to. Absolutely. I was just thinking that, actually. Yeah. And my my uh, my official, aka, I guess my, my first place, aka, is this is funny, but I also feel like it's 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 the running theme, at least for Ben through this episode. Mm, And it's quite frankly, just this. What's the deal with this pony?
0: (laughs) Oh, Ben. Ben just doesn't get it. He doesn't get it. He really doesn't. Yeah. And you feel for him to a degree. And then you want to hit him like everyone else. Kind of. I'm going to talk about that later, oh, good. though. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. Well, Mark, real quick, and then we'll, we'll move on from AKAs. I, I did my typical one per storyline, mm. and, and since you were correct and had three storylines, <laughs> here they are. Okay. For the Donna and Anne storyline, you know, uh, you know, Sherpa Donna. Yeah. Um, it, she makes the big mistake of the saying, "How are you doing today?" Right. Oh, Basically, that's Which, a rookie mistake. You know, you know when that's a bad move. Yeah. Uh, and Anne tells her. <laughs> And Tina yep. says, normally I'd have you share that, but I'm going to recommend you bottle that noise <laughs> up. <laughs> Which I I think I want to just keep that in my back pocket for some people. Uh And then for the April and Andy storyline, it's hard to not go with, dude, that is awesome sauce. Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And then finally, for the A storyline, Ron is trying to rally the troops. He's trying to bring some order to things in this search for little Sebastian, uh, who might have gone missing as you teed up. Mm -hmm. Uh, He says, "Okay, he can't have gone far. He's got the legs of Tom, the endurance of Jerry and the diseases of Jerry. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, he
1: is the worst of all of us. He really is. Yeah.
0: Well, Mark, that about does it for the AKAs. You know, normally we jump right into our episode breakdown, but I've got some really interesting news for us this week. Well, what's that, Alan? Well, Mark, we're going to take a quick break and we're actually going to introduce our very first real sponsor. What? What What about all the commercials Ron Swanson's done for us? Well, it, it turns out that some of those might not actually be real. Are you serious? Yeah, I'm afraid so Well, we better not tell Ron Oh, heck no No, so I can't I can't get my head around this Okay Well, let's just say that we have to have a talk with Constantine Oh, okay Now I think I understand Yeah, you know what I'm saying Yep All right, everybody Well, we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor Sweet, it's here just in time That didn't take long What? What is it, Alan? What do we get? Well, Mark, you know how we're recording Harvest Festival rewatch this week, right? Yeah, sure. That's what Constantine told me. Well, I found this really cool custom small batch candle shop online called Real Life Candle Company, and they actually have a candle called Harvest Festival. Seriously? What does it smell like? Well, let me see. I would say fall, maybe hay, little cedar, some pumpkin. I like it. Well, uh, give me. Oh, wow. That is nice. Did they have any other Parks and Recreation scents? You know what? Actually, I talked to their awesome owner, Amanda, and she told me that they're actually about to launch another scent inspired by Parks and Recreation next week. Apparently, it's called Friends, Waffles, and Work, and it smells like Waffles, maple syrup, and butter. Oh my God, now I'm hungry. And, you know, Leslie would be all over that. I know, right? I'm thinking the same thing. Well, what else do they offer? Well, Mark Amanda told me that they offer a ton of other pop culture inspired products, including some that fans of The Office will appreciate, like It's Your Birthday and the Finer Things Club. I love that. As well as for Brooklyn Nine Nine fans boils must and oh. not today nibs oh. sense <laughs> oh that's great alan like terry we know the struggle is real oh amen to that Well, how can our listeners find out more and make a purchase? Well, Mark, you can find all of these candles, tins, sprays, and wax melts at Real Life Candle. That's real spelled R-E-E-L. Oh, I get it. Like the movie reel. Exactly. So, reallifecandle.com. You can also find their link on our website and then the episode description for this episode. And if you enter the code LFP10 at checkout... Our listeners can save ten percent on their purchase. Oh man, that's terrific! Well, now I know what I'm buying my wife for Christmas. Um, Mark, doesn't your wife listen to the show sometimes?
1: No, not any, not anymore. She gets here's <laughs> enough for me at home. <laughs> yeah, I can relate. We have
0: that same arrangement at my house. All right, so that's it. We can go back to the podcast now. Well, sure, but let's take the candle. Oh, agreed. All right, everybody, we're back. Mark, that was terrific. I, it's actually really cool to have a real sponsor. I love Ron, but uh, it was great to have a real sponsor this week, and especially one so related to this episode. Oh, I agree. We, we couldn't have done much better than that. It smells like Harvest Festival here. <laughs> it really does. Well, speaking of that, Mark, why don't we get into our episode breakdown? And, of course, we normally start with the cold open, and I think, I think we agreed on this one. I think we just got to play this one and then talk about it. Oh, absolutely. Go for it. All right, let's do it. Constantine, hit the button. Okay,
2: everybody- the Harvest Festival is tomorrow, and I am so proud of all of you. You've worked so hard. You're amazing. So I have a surprise, and it is possibly the best thing to potentially ever happen to anyone, anywhere in the history of the universe. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the world-famous Lil Sebastian. What? Yes,
0: wow. the <laughs> Oh, my
3: God. <laughs> Yes! That is Lil
0: Sebastian! Take my picture, take my picture. Take my picture. <laughs> well done, Leslie. Well done! <laughs> and now oh I
2: thought I'd get to meet him. Wow. <laughs> Lil Sebastian made his debut at the last Harvest Festival in 1987, and he was an instant phenomenon. That week, he was the eighth most photographed object in America. So, suck it, the Alamo.
3: I'm sitting next to little Sebastian. I know, I know. Right now. Right now. I'm here. Little Sebastian's
1: right there. Wow. <laughs> wow. So, what am I missing? What's the deal with this pony? He's not a pony. Ben, he's a mini horse. There's a big difference. Well, then why is he so famous? Does he does he does he do something? What does he do?
0: Yeah, he does being a mini horse, and he does it better than anyone.
1: Son, this horse has an honorary degree from Notre Dame.
2: We all need to be very careful, okay? Remember? This little guy's 25 now, and he has cataracts in both eyes. He has severe arthritis. Jerry's going to look after him. Yes,
1: I am. We are both on the same diabetes medication. (laughs) Are you my glucotrol buddy? (laughs) Are you?
2: (laughs) Isn't it amazing?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I I just got to be honest. I don't know what the big deal is. Get out. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so good, Mark. I love that whole cold open. I, I think my favorite parts are... You know, we, we, we finally got to meet the world famous little Sebastian. Of yeah. course, that that's huge. Um, how can you not like Ron's uh, reaction to this? And it, I know it was maybe a little bit hard to see or to see <laughs> to hear <laughs> in the uh, in the audio clip we played. But you, he has the most girlish, buffoonish oh. laughter. Um, oh, he is so excited. His excitement makes me excited, Mark. Well, yeah, it's it's, it, it's an upward spiral. It really is. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I love April's uh, response. Like, well, what does he do? He does being a mini horse and he does it better than anyone because you can't argue with that.
0: Well, I love, you know, you've got to say something pretty stupid to get nasty looks from Jerry. Yeah, because he's at the bottom of the food chain. Yes. And, and I think Ben is taking a momentary slip into his position. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> And really just everyone's reaction. Everyone is excited and Ben just does not understand. Right. Right. It's like, you know, hearing that inside joke that you're not a part of, Mark. I want to be part of an inside joke. Uh, you are, Mark. Oh, good. Good. Well, Mark, following that cold open, the conference room has been turned into like Harvest Festival Central. And the gang is interviewing potential candidates for
1: the festival. That's right. Leslie, Ben and Tom are, are working out the last details and they're they're talking to it looks like they're talking to Pawnee constituents who will be either taking part in or have ideas for the Harvest Fest. And we see at this particular juncture. We see Leslie talking with Tanya, who we last saw in Leslie's house yep. as one of the rec center teachers who has a cooking class. That's right. And Tanya, uh, who owns a place called, I believe, Sue's Salads. That's correct. She wants her booth in a high foot traffic area such as <clears throat> Deep Fried Boulevard. Uh, <laughs> Leslie sidesteps this grenade by instead offering to make Sue's Salads the official healthy choice of the Harvest Festival. Um Whatever. Uh, and Le- Leslie also has a really nice little talking head at the end here where she reminds us that, A, this is the biggest thing that she's ever done in her career. And B, the stakes are very, very high as the Parks and Rec Department is going to be eliminated if the Harvest Festival fails.
0: That's true. And, you know, she's got to quit talking about this Harvest Festival and ending on such a boring note about hospitality kiosks, Mark. <laughs> Yeah. Clowns. Yeah. You know, Sue is very upset at first that, you know, uh, she basically Leslie kind of says, hey, look, we want to make some money. We don't want people to hate themselves (laughs) by eating your salads.
1: (laughs) So so a a script thing here is this. Is her name Sue? Because I thought that at first, but then I thought maybe her name is Tanya.
0: Wasn't it Tanya? No, you're right. Her name is Tanya. She runs Sue Salads, and they are her life. But, <laughs> I didn't know that last part. She didn't part. make that part clear, regardless of what her name is. Yes.
1: But that would kind of be like me opening a hardware store and calling it Nick's Hardware Store.
0: It would, and it wouldn't make sense, and no one would go there, Mark. Yeah, because- Just like Sue Salads. Hardware is my life. <laughs> Well, as the gang finishes up with a gentleman who wants to sell homebrewed water, whatever that is, mm-hmm. the team gets dealt their first setback. That's right. Well, first of all, April, the total package
1: as an assistant, does her normal bang-up job by saying, quote, this guy's here. I love <laughs> Which it. we've heard her do in the past. Yep. And she uh, ushers in a man who we come to know as uh, Ken Hotate the Wamapoke tribe leader. That's right. Played by the great Jonathan Joss. That's right. That's right. And, and, Ken and Leslie clearly know each other. So it looks like they have a little bit of a a past history together. And and it doesn't seem antagonistic necessarily.
0: No. In fact, it feels like maybe some mutual respect there.
1: Yeah. Kind kind of warm. Um, So Ken asks Leslie to move the Harvest Festival since it is being held on the site of the Battle of Indian Hill, one of many atrocities that the Pawnee settlers inflicted upon the Wamapoke Indians. Leslie tells Ken she understands and she wants to, but they can't because there's nowhere else to go. Ken understands Leslie's position and leaves, but not before telling them. He
0: hopes, quote, that the souls of my ancestors don't put a curse on this festival. Mark, that leads to a couple great, the pair of talking heads that are fun. Uh, You know, one is he basically says there are two things that he knows about white people. And depending on which version you watch, it's either that they're terrified of curses and they love Rachel Ray Mm -hmm. or that they love Matchbox 20.
1: Both really good.
0: Both good. Yes. Well, and then, there of course, there's Leslie's uh, talking head where we get to see the atrocities that the Pawnee settlers inflicted. And, you know, it's this big giant map with these little white dots in this big blue geographic area. Right. Well, it turns out the white dots are the places where there were no tragedies. Right, right. The
1: big blue area, the, <laughs> bl- the atrocities are in blue.
0: Oh, God. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, I was a little disappointed, Mark. The only thing that could have made this scene better would if they had, if they had cut over to the mural representing those, the atrocities or the time when their 93-year-old chief was shot 102 times by the cavalry. Did he end up dying? I think he did die. Mark. Oh, man. Yikes. I love Tom. Did he die? <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Well, Mark, following that, we're actually going to bounce over to the site of the Harvest Festival. Setup has begun. The site is looking really good. And generally speaking, things appear to be going well. But, you know, keep your eye out for Eagle Eye, Joan. I know. I know. Uh, band name called it. Um,
1: <laughs> so, yeah, we're we're outside and it's, you know, the the cold open. Opened up, no pun intended, on the day before the Harvest Festival, and it's still the day before the Harvest Festival at this point. And sun's out. And like you said, they're at the site of the Harvest Festival and the gang's helping to get things set up. And Ben walks up to Leslie and he is excited to tell her because he's kind of getting into it, too. And, And he's excited to tell her that he got Sweetums. To donate another 15 cotton candy machines. And in in celebration, Leslie and Ben do this complex handshake thing that ends with finger guns, which they end up getting into and bazooka and they end up getting into and miming and they're laughing with each other. Hashtag dork flirting. (laughs) Um, Leslie tells the gang that Joan Calamezzo, to your point, Alan, is coming by with a camera crew for a last-minute walkthrough before it opens tomorrow, and she's always hungry for a scandal, so everything needs to be perfect. And Leslie gives them a speech to pump them up, telling them to go to Ron with any concerns.
0: I love this whole sequence and it kind of sets up the the way the day is going to go. And of course, we learned that Ron uh, really likes being Leslie's boss because basically when she's in charge, nothing ever goes wrong. And that means he gets to spend the whole week in his lawn chair reading a book.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. His his uh, his talking head, which I think they added specifically for the producer's cut. I think you're right. Um, <laughs> yeah. When you're Leslie's boss, she does everything herself. There's never any problems. Which means for the next week, I can sit in a lawn chair and read this book about old boats. (laughs) Now, excuse me, I have to get back to work.
0: (laughs) Oh, God. That's great. It's a good gig if you can get it. It is. It really is. Well, over at the first aid tent, Donna and Anne are making sure that they are ready for any emergency that might arise. And Donna has one of those I'm sorry I asked moments Mm -hmm. that we referred to earlier. Oh, does she ever... Yeah. While working together to set
1: up the first aid tent, Donna asks, Anne, what happened with you and the bionic man? I mean, Chris (laughs) and Anne tells her about how Chris broke up with her and she didn't even realize it, which we found out in the last episode in Indianapolis. And then she goes on to vent about various actions that she's been taking that are indicative of her, as she puts it, bottoming out Um, Donna's advice. As you alluded to, is for Anne to bottle that noise up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so which,
1: supportive. Which Anne kind of takes in stride and then
0: mutters, that's that's what my mailman said. <laughs> <laughs> well, not only does she have to like get counseling through her mailman, Mark, but apparently she bought $700 worth of candles from Anthropology. You know, with the discount over at reallifecandlecompany.com, Mark, she could have saved a ton. That's right. It'd only be 630. That's right. Yep. <laughs> well, over near the Midway, Joan wants to murder the most melons, Mark. <laughs> we we see Joan
1: Calamezo doing some linguistic warm ups, which are fantastic, really uh, are. in front of a cameraman, uh, the great Mo Collins. Shame uh,
0: on Shakira's sheets. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and she's getting ready to record uh, as, as Leslie and Ben are getting ready to take her through this walkthrough. And uh, Leslie and Ben come up and, and greet her. And Joan has this really funny little moment where she like she kind of raises her hand a little bit like she's going to shake Ben's hand. And then halfway through raising it, it just drops out of pure apathy. And <laughs> like Ben doesn't know what the social contract is here. So he's kind of confused. Um But, you know,
0: the walkthrough itself is pretty funny. Should we have Constantine play this? Let's do that, Mark. I think that would be an excellent clip to have him play. Right. Constantine, tee it up, buddy
2: the festival is spread throughout the town, but the centerpiece is the carnival. And over here is Indiana's largest corn maze. Wow. is that Pawnee corn or Eagleton corn? Pawnee corn, and it's organic. Over here,
3: we have our beautiful Ferris wheel. Uh, beautiful, but deadly. <laughs> when was the last time this giant wheel of death was inspected?
1: Actually, twice in the last week, and everything is 100% up to code.
3: How many of these carnies are illegals?
2: None. They're all U.S. citizens. Over in this booth, Indiana basketball legend Larry Bird's 84-year-old Aunt Tilda will be signing autographs for two hours on Thursday. You got Tilda? Yeah. Oh. We got Tilda. <laughs> but the real coup is over there. Lil Sebastian. Are you f- <laughs>
3: kidding me? <laughs> we <got> Lil Sebastian. <laughs> See for yourself. Oh wow, he is
0: so. Oh, I love that, and it ends, of course, with the appropriate Ben doesn't get it look. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I like that. You know, Joan starts
1: to warm up to Leslie a little bit when she hears about you know Larry Bird's grandmother Tilda. Yeah, but then she really warms yeah. up when she loses her mind over little Sebastian, as everyone does. Ben just doesn't get it. Um, and then the the only other thing that happens in this scene is as Joan goes over to the little Sebastian pen, Alan. Tom goes to join her and we've kind of seen their interaction before in the past where they're kind of kind of flirty and and Tom loves to schmooze Joan and Joan loves to be schmoozed by Tom. (laughs) And uh, I'll just sum it up by saying it gets really uncomfortable for us. And, you know, Ben is behind them and finally just says, good Lord. (laughs)
0: If I'm not mistaken, this kind of becomes one of Ben's signature lines.
1: Good Lord. (laughs) Good Lord. Well, I can't blame him when, you know, Tom's final line is, Uh, you know, this harvest festival is going to knock your socks off, Joan. And when it does, I'm going to be there to give you a foot massage to to completion. completion. Uh, L-O-L and yuck.
0: (laughs) I don't know what the social contract is between Tom and Joan, but the social contract between the two of them and the rest of us needs to be fixed because it's broken oh for sure yeah 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 this falls under the whole tmi good god why'd you go there yes (laughs) i love how in this sequence you know as they're doing kind of a little bit of a uh um, west wing walk and talk around the carnival mark uh you know joan is doing her best to find the flaw in leslie's plan she just always assumes the worst for leslie yep But Leslie has got it all prepared and uh, Joan is uh, disappointed and then shifts to sheer joy when she gets to see little Sebastian.
1: Well, and you know, the one thing I don't think that that the, our viewers at home can see, because we know they're not viewers, um, is that as Joan is asking these questions and she's being shut down by either Leslie or Ben, you can see just a real quick look on her face
0: like, oh, God. <laughs> what's next to my dagger list? Right, right. Exactly. <laughs> Well, Mark, over at the Midway, it appears almost as if they don't actually want you to win these carnival games and I, that there is no way that April can get a billion teddy bears, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> this, is,
1: this is such a good scene and kind of a sweet scene, too, between April and Andy. Uh, I know we're tiring Constantine out with the constant scene playing, but maybe we should have him play this clip. Let's do that, Mark.
0: God, I swear, it's almost like they don't want you to win.
2: Well... You better practice. You got to win me a teddy bear.
0: I'm going to win you a million teddy bears.
2: Well, I want a billion teddy bears. Well,
1: that's a little unrealistic. (laughs) This is a hard game. Two million. (laughs)
2: Deal. (laughs) Hey, I love you. Dude, shut up. That is
1: awesome sauce. Mm.
0: Man. The look on her face, Mark, I she is not she's not enjoying the awesome sauce at this point.
1: No, she is not partaking in, in the uh, awesome sauce enjoyment. You know, it, it's so typical for April to have uh, a stern, sneering look or a look of anger. But it's 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 very rare that she has a look of embarrassment or mortification.
0: She's disappointed like she's just. You know, you could see she takes that beat right before and she's trying to decide, is she going to tell him? Is she going to tell him? Right, right. She she puts herself out there and takes the risk and she gets a plate of awesome sauce. (laughs) (laughs) And not the good kind. Not even a blooming onion with it.
1: I know. I know. Uh, Poor, poor April.
0: Uh, Well, we'll have to see what happens there. Mark, one thing the viewers could not see there that fortunately we were able to see, you know, there's a little bit of, of, of some dead air in there, but. That dead air is being filled with a kiss from April and Andy. And, you know, just it's a nice, tender moment. And then Andy just blows it.
1: Well, you know what? Well said. I mean, if you were to observe this, it's a really sweet, you know, touching moment between the two of them. And like right up to the point that Andy opens his mouth, it's kind of really sweet. Yeah. And then he
0: opens his mouth. So damn it, Andy. I know. Yeah. Well, over at Little Sebastian's pen, Tom arrives just in time for Jerry to run over to the scrunchie stand before they close down for the evening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Little Sebastian needs a tail scrunchie,
1: Alan. Clearly. And yeah, Tom enters the pen and tells Jerry that he, that Leslie wants him to watch Little Sebastian for yeah. a while. And Larry leaves to get that there. Tail, tail scrunchie there. And uh, Tom has a silly pretend conversation between Little Love Sebastian it. and himself, which I think they added for the producer's cut, which I really like. Yeah, I did um, too. And it kind of reminds me of like, come on, Ron, it's just a little puppy. I mean, is this <laughs> something along those lines? I do Sebastian.
0: How's it going?
1: <laughs> oh, you're really well dressed. I like how you got your T-shirt over your dress shirt. You look way cooler than everybody else here. <laughs> oh, well, Sebastian, come on. You're making me blush. It's real good. Um, uh, but yeah, so Tom puts, and I don't know what the term for this is because I'm not a, a horse guy or many horse guy. So sure. I called it a, a custom dress coat. I don't know how to describe it. But Tom gets this, as I'm calling it, a custom dress coat. Is
0: there a name for it? I, I, I'm certain there is. And if I were in horsing circles, I would know it. I just called it a cape because I kind of like <laughs> to think of Little Sebastian as my superhero, Mark. See, I was
1: afraid that you're going to make fun of me. And now I feel like I have to make fun of you. No, it's then, your turn
0: to make fun of me right. for sure.
1: So Tom puts a cape over. <laughs> that did no, right. No, Tom puts this. I called it like a,
0: it's because it's, it's a dust cover of a nature, I think. And to keep the, the sun off their it's backs. It's like a I think chamois. Yeah, it, it is. <laughs> it really is. So the, shi- wow. so the chamois,
1: this custom dress coat that Tom puts over Little Sebastian, it, it features the Snake Hole Lounge logo. And Tom tells us in a talking head, you know, most people look at Little Sebastian, they see a famous mini horse, which he is. Yep. But I, Tom, being the you know genius that I am, I see an advertising opportunity for my club. And now when everyone takes a picture of him, they're going to get his logo in there. So, I mean, I can't argue that really
0: it's kind of brilliant and it's hard to see during the daytime but if you pay close attention you can see like uh, it's kind of pimped out there's a strip of led lights that runs the perimeter of this blanket which i think is going to play a role in uh, a a plot point coming up
1: you you may be correct and i'll say when i first watched this i didn't notice that yeah
0: i I only watched it on the 19th rewatch mark
1: (laughs) (laughs) you know to, to the last thing i'm going to say about this scene is i think that tom's onto something it's a great advertising opportunity there may be only one downside.
0: Yeah, or an upside, depending on how you look at it. But yeah, you gotta do something to cover that up. Oops. Let's just say it's shockingly huge. He has five legs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's just let's just call it that. <laughs> let's five and,
1: legged and, mini horse. And one of the legs is blurred out. And I, I didn't really know why, so I had to ask my wife what was going on.
0: <laughs> uh, sorry. Well, next up, we see Joan, Ben, and Leslie are doing a little bit of a walk and talk of their own again. And Joan is taking one last stab at finding, or if she has to, creating some drama for her coverage of the Harvest Festival.
1: Right, right. She's been trying really, really hard, as we've already seen, to get some negative angles on this. And Leslie and Ben have been pretty good at just swatting them down every time she brings something up. And so she she expresses disappointment at not finding anything. And she finally resorts to the only thing that she can think of. She asks Ben, hey, Ben, remember when you failed? That was fun. Why don't you talk about that? Remember how you (laughs) failed? Talk about the failure. And Ben, unlike in a media blitz, I might add, Ben is very composed and says, yeah, Joan, you know what? I was 18 years old. This is what happened. I was mayor. I did something dumb. But you know what? Leslie has got this so sewn up. Not even I could screw this up. His talking points are well rehearsed by this point, Mark. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And and you can tell he did a good job on account of Joan just walks away annoyed and says, I'm a reporter, not your therapist.
0: (laughs) I love it. That that could have been an AKA right there. Well, you know, Mark, while he will talk about it and he's gotten better at it, he just doesn't understand because no one wants to talk about the fact that he was shortstop of his JV baseball team. No one ever asks him about that. Yeah. If you're going to bring up stuff from my past, that's not a bad one. You can't no one- paint a complete picture of a guy without knowing some other facts. Right. You can't. you're not just a one-note pony? <laughs> or a five-legged pony. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. I went there again. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mark, despite Tom's penchant for creating marketing opportunities, as you mentioned earlier. Yeah. He may not be the most attentive mini horse sitter in the tri-state area.
1: I don't even think he's in the top 10. No. Um
0: Yeah, he's talking
1: to someone else on his cell phone on account, and he has to tell them what a genius he is. And then Jerry returns, uh, tail scrunchy in hand, I assume, and notices as he returns, the door to the pen is wide open. Asks Tom where little Sebastian is. It's only then that they realize, dum-dum-dum, little Sebastian is missing. And... Surprise! Surprise! Tom tries to deflect this onto punching bag Jerry, saying, "Well, it's 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 his fault somehow, you know." And then, and then he, and then Jerry's like, "What are you talking about?" And Tom runs off and says, You go look for him. I'm gonna go tell everyone what you did."
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my gosh! I love the line. This whole exchange is very funny, and Jerry does a pretty decent job, at least at first, of trying to defend himself. I mean, he wasn't even there to right. his point, right? I know. That's the point, Jerry. It's a poor worksman that blames his tools. (laughs) I don't don't even know what that means. (laughs) I don't know. One of them is a tool. I think it's Tom. (laughs) I think you're right. (laughs) Well, Mark, Joan did not get the scandal she was hoping for. So it's now time to finally roll the cameras and wrap up this segment. Yeah. I mean, she's got to record her piece.
1: She was hoping it would be full of juicy gossip and scandal. But you know what? She's got to record it either way. So she's like, all right. She hasn't found any so she's going to say the festival looks great people should attend and and she even compliments Leslie and Leslie's kind of stunned by this it looks like
0: it literally pains her to say it but great job Leslie Yeah and so you kind of feel like we're, we did it like this is
1: kind of a victory. Here. Yeah. And Joan, a little sigh of relief for a second here. And Joan walks away and and Leslie and Ben like look at each other like, hey, that went well. And they and they start doing their silly, overly mm-hmm. complex handshake thingy with finger guns and stuff. And they're saying to each other, take that curse. Oh, yeah. Take that curse. Well, Joan wasn't quite far enough away no. yet, and she overhears this and comes running back. Curse? Did I hear someone say curse? What's that? What's that? And, and you know, maybe she sniffs something a little bit more juicy to report on. And Leslie and Ben immediately <clears throat> say it was nothing, and they clam up, you know, like, let's like, 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 circle the wagon, so to speak. And they probably would have been fine right there. Except. Oh, God. It's at that moment when Tom comes running up, telling him, it's little Sebastian. He's gone. Jerry let him escape. And we don't know where he is. And this, Alan, is Joan's cue to turn to the camera, telling them that they're going to re-record the segment with a more negative slant.
0: Looks at Leslie. Gotcha. Mark, is this the first time that Joan does the famous gotcha? Yeah. Because it becomes a segment later on the show even. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're exactly right. Yeah. Well, Joan finally has the dirt that she was looking for. And now she's about to dump it all over the Harvest Festival, Mark. Uh, she does this little s- aside, kind of a little bit of a talking head here. And she says, is it the revenge of the Wamapoke? An incompetent government run amuck, or probably something even worse than any of those things. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and,
1: and she's so happy that she's found some, uh, some, some tragedy or some juicy gossip.
0: You've heard of ambulance chasers in the legal profession, Mark. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, Joan's a little bit of one on the, uh, you know, the, the reporting side. Yeah,
1: it is. Although I think she stole my, uh, my tagline at the end. Did you see that? What was that? Well, she's, 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 doing her thing. Like, you know, is everything ready for tomorrow? Things aren't exactly as they seem.
0: And then she pauses uh, and smiles. Nailed it. Nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> Joan, you'll be hearing from our lawyers. I, I agree. I think we should get them right on that. Constantine draft a letter, buddy. You know, he does a little bit of everything around here. Oh, someone needs to. <laughs> well, Mark, in this next scene, I know you've heard of shark NATO. Yes. Well, batten down the hatches for poop NATO. Mm. And while we're at it, throw out the DEFCON scale. Cause Leslie has a new disaster measurement standard. Oh yeah. Poop NATO
1: diapers. Ahoy. We need to do something about this for crying out loud. Um, because first of all, gross. Yes. But then, you know, second. Well, <laughs> let me let me back up. Leslie and Ben are inside one of the tents and they're discussing how bad things are. Yep. You know, poop NATO. And <laughs> and Ben says, OK, gross, Leslie. <laughs> but we can handle a little bad publicity. Right. And she said, no, 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 no. This is way worse than that. Um, this is going to affect the vendors and the ticket sales, et cetera. This is really, really bad. And Ben pauses and asks Leslie, well, wait a minute. Are you saying that the, the citizens of Pawnee really believe in curses? And <laughs> The look on her face. And Leslie stares at him like he's an idiot, like like he just doesn't get it, Alan. And, and then we get a great Leslie talking head where she gives an example of Pawnee being superstitious. Her quote is, a traveling magician came through one time and he pulled a rabbit out of the hat and the mob burned him at the stake for being a witch. Pause. The year was 1973. <laughs> oh, my God. Because you're thinking like, OK, maybe in the times of your and yesteryear, because I don't know any other times. No, those uh, are the times. Maybe <laughs> those are the times. So maybe you're talking about like 1700s, like, you know, yeah. the time when people were dumb. Yeah. No, 1973. They, they were dumb then, didn't <laughs> And, and they, then they have, you know, one of our uh, tropes has been murals, Yeah, right? We finally get a mural here. It's been quite a while since yeah. we've had a mural and they they depict this mural or they show this mural depicting this rather. And and it shows this magician tied up to a stake in a parking lot right back outside a mall. Uh, and, 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 and it's in an era where clearly, you know, afros and station wagons were yeah. prevalent. So you can tell, sure enough, it's the 70s. Yep. Oh, my gosh. Um and so just a couple of real quick things about this. First, this outtake, or, you know, with the mural. Actually, the whole scene with the mural and yeah. the talking head was only in the producer's cut. That's true. So well done. I love 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 it. Love it. Second, if you're able to pause the mural scene and you're <laughs> able to look at it more closely, you'll see the magician being burned at the stake, but if you look at the bottom of the stake on the left side, they're also
0: burning the rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, it's roasted mutton.
1: Clearly, the rabbit is just as responsible for the uh,
0: witchcraft as. Well, look, Mark. <laughs> we don't know who's controlling who here. Best to be safe.
1: You know, wag the dog. Call it what you want. This is. I, I laugh so hard because I didn't notice that, and uh, I didn't notice it. I didn't notice it, and then it was brought to my attention. Really and I'm like, attention. that is outstanding.
0: Well, Mark, the other thing that I mentioned, Leslie's got this new disaster measurement standard. You know, she says, oh, yeah. look, <laughs> it's worse than that, Ben. You know, it's not just bad publicity. We, we've we got this big government project. It's a lightning rod. Yeah. And then you add the Wamapoke controversy, double lightning rod. Double. Plus, we lost that little pony. It's many horse, triple lightning rod. Triple. <laughs> and then you have the curse, quadruple lightning rod. <laughs> and this? she says, it's a classic four rod disaster. I, I had one of those last night. It was bad. Oh, no, <laughs> Let's move on. Let's do. Well, Mark, I don't know what you're going to do you, but Jerry going to do side this one or something. <laughs> I don't know. Language is funny.
1: Uh-huh. Um Yeah, we see Ron relaxing in his reclining chair, which we heard about during a a previous talking head, Like, because Leslie's going to take care of everything. He's going to sit back and read his book. And he's trying to relax in his reclining chair, read his boat book. But behind him, we see Jerry and Tom and April and Andy, and they're kind of standing together. And Tom and Jerry... I like the cat and mouse are arguing about little Sebastian, and Tom's clearly still trying to blame this on Jerry. Oh, yeah. And finally, Ron just grumpy Ron closes this book, and he gets up and he walks over to him because he's not going to get any of his work done of you know reading the book. And so everyone keeps arguing until Ron gets just fed up, and he essentially tells them to shut their pie holes yep. for Tom and Jerry to get along. Darn it. And check the field behind the parking lot and for April and Andy to check the corn maze. And everyone's like, all right, all right, dad, and takes off to do their assigned tasks. I like it.
0: I love how after they're paired up, you know, against their will, Tom and Jerry have to go out. And Dom says, I don't want to go with Jerry. He's the one that deliberately caused me to accidentally let the horse out. (laughs)
1: <laughs> you know the other thing I caught about this, and I didn't catch this until like my third watch through is um right after April and Andy go off to check the corn maze. And yeah. and Andy has his great little line, like, good idea. Horses love mazes. <laughs> and and then he says, Come on. And he he's still clueless at this point. Oh yeah. And he grabs April's hand yeah. as if like this is like yeah, we're together. Good. So this is what we do. And he starts to walk, and you see right at the very end, April just kind of shakes
0: his hand off. She's grumpy. She's grumpy April. He's about to catch on that she's upset, but he hasn't yet. No, not yet. Well, Mark, that brings up the other thing that happens. Ron says, "Okay, apparently I'm not going to get any work done. How did this happen? And April proffers up. Well, maybe little Sebastian got upset because she tried. He tried to share his feelings with someone and they didn't reciprocate. So, yeah, she's not happy with Andy.
1: (laughs) And and not only did she say that,
0: because you think like maybe Andy will go, oh,
1: yeah. Instead, what Andy says is. Well, that's not bad. <laughs> but maybe a balloon popped. Like so he he thinks of it and he's like, you know, April, uh, I know you're you're brainstorming. That's not a bad idea. My God. But I got this balloon pop thing that maybe is better. Like he does
0: not get it. He there are two people not getting stuff in this episode. They're both Andy. They're well, yeah, and, and then maybe Ben too. Well, over at the what I'm calling tent HQ mark, yes, Anne arrives to warn Leslie to avoid cursed, dehydrated, beefy dudes. Or, or something like that.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it, I, I think Anne is concerned because now, like the media all over the place is like chomping at the bit to get anyone to admit about this this curse thing. Well, sure, it's um, curse watch. I so mean, the, the story's developing. So the, this this big dude came in to their the first a ten I get for dehy- I guess for dehydration, and the media is like, is that because of the curse? And Anne's like, no comment. And then she immediately ran over to Leslie, like, what? the hell is going on <laughs> like, what were they asking about a curse and and she says you have to say no comment go back and say no comment did you say no comment she's like yeah i said no comment okay okay and beautiful Anne. oh so beautiful Anne. okay go run run Anne, <laughs> and don't say anything to anybody about anything for the next month so, okay i guess which may be a little bit overkill but i guess that does it um and then right on the on the tail of that uh ben Brings up uh, something going on, I guess, uh, on uh, Channel 4 TV News, Pert uh He's he's interviewing Ken Hotate, Alan. Yeah. And um, so apparently Ken's telling Perd about what happened. So at, at this point, Perd offers to the viewers, and we know they're viewers, Alan, that they have <laughs> a, a, a computer generated reenactment, an exclusive oh. animation, if you will, of what allegedly happened between Ken and Leslie. I'm like, man, I love these things. This is so funny and it, it does not translate to our podcast at all. So I'm going to try a little yeah, bit do to best. do this justice. So we see, imagine a scene from the computer game, The Sims. There you go. And an animated Ken comes in to talk to animated Leslie in her
0: office. It looks like a person. It's not what I would call industrial light and magic level rendering of, of a human, though.
1: No, no, it's it's uh, far away from the uncanny valley, but it's clearly you know humans. Um, and it, and they aren't saying anything. They're like like it, it's, it's most oh,
0: Charlie Brown teacher. It is and that's what they're doing that you oh, nailed it. I thought, you know what I, I, I 17 times I watched this episode. I'm just now getting that mark. Yeah, I think quite honestly, I thought it was the Ken character. In some sort of chant, which he um, does, he does do. you more clearly, you're right, you're right. I think that's why I was confused. Good so, call. So,
1: so animated Ken comes in to talk to animated Leslie in her office, because <laughs> he's asking her clearly, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> to, to move the thing, and then Leslie's like eh, 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 and and shakes her finger, uh, <laughs> kind of like Newman in Jurassic Park. It is, <laughs> and 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 then. Animated Ken starts huh. to do some sort of dance in a circle which makes animated ghost spirits come, it's a and, dance come and possess animated Leslie. And, and this results in, A, her head spinning around 360 <laughs> degrees, B, her eyes to glow red, yeah. and C, causing her face to become that of a skull. Yeah, I saw this in an episode of Buffy. This is fantastic. <laughs> and then in rapid succession- heard is that what happened leslie none of that happened ken that is exactly what happened (laughs) so it was fantastic so anyway leslie's i think a little alarmed at how this and the rest of curse watch will play out so she 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 suggests to ben maybe we should move the shooting gallery which seems to be ken's biggest problem I think it is.
0: Well, hopefully that will make them happy, Mark. Oh, my gosh. And of course, you know, Perd then tells everybody, you know, check back in with News Channel 4. Number one in curse coverage. Curse coverage. Gosh. <laughs> so good. Well, you know, too, and, and when, when he first teed this up, <laughs> Ken says, you know, the fact is the carnival is being held on top of an ancient Wamapoke burial site. <laughs> Purd says, much like in the movie
1: Poltergeist. And Ken looks at him for like half a second and then says- Exactly.
0: Because <laughs> he knows how to play to the crowd. Oh, Ken is good at his job. He is. He really is. Well, Mark, in this next scene, we learn that horses, especially mini horses, love mazes and how one might be able to commit the perfect crime. Oh my
1: gosh. <laughs> if you're if I was a horse, Alan. I would go into the merry-go-round on a counter. Yeah. You just stand still. Blend right in. And there's all those other horses and no one would ever know the perfect crime.
0: <laughs> and April says, oh, my God, which I'm right there with her. She
1: may be a little fed up at this She's point. She's done. Yeah. yeah. So, so they're walking through the corn maze and Andy seems clueless still. And, and, and he's like you said, like we described, he's happily bantering with April and then she's like, OK, uh, goodbye, because I've had it with you. And Andy finally it occurs to Andy to finally ask her if she's OK and to which she responds, I'm fine. Oh, I forgot to tell you I might be going to Venezuela tomorrow forever. <laughs> and he kind of pauses and goes, you're not fine. Huh. And, and tries to get her to tell him what it is. And then she's like, no, I'm great. I'm great. And then walks off and then she she emphasizes this in case we as the viewers were not clear. April talking head. She says, I'm not mad at him. He's great. I awesome sauce Andy.
3: Oh, boy.
0: <laughs> he's in trouble. Well, I love how he says Ludgate, you know, first of all, he's got like nine strikes against him already. Mm. And he's calling her by her last name. So romantic. Not a good call. Ludgate, I can read you like the back of a book. Something (laughs) is upsetting you. Because apparently Andy's never read a whole book. But he has read the backs of books because he understands that's where you can get the synopsis, Mark. That's right. You should try that. Oh, I sure really should. It could save you you so much time. Mark, I also love, too, I think you've mentioned a few other things like this. There's a little extra scene here in the producer's cut that's a little different from the standard cut. And we see... At the moment, April says that she awesome sauces Andy, Uh, you know, ironically, Andy runs up and says, April, this maze is like a maze. (laughs) Yeah. You you hear him thrashing through the corn behind April
1: and he kind of bursts out of the field as if he were coming through a wall that's made of corn. I think he did. And then he's like, my God in heaven, this this maze, M-A-I-Z-E, yes. is like a maze. <laughs> oh, Andy.
0: Wordplay is fun, Mark. Yeah. Language is funny. Yeah. Well, Anne is checking out the big beefy guy. Um, but he may not be boyfriend material, Mark.
1: Yeah. Anne's in the first aid tent with his big beefy dude that we mentioned before, who looks like a Jersey shore wannabe. <laughs> and, uh, according to my research, Alan, I believe his name is Kylie. That that's why I'm going to call him. Okay. Let's do that. So Kylie, uh, starts shamelessly hitting on ann, uh. um, you know, showing her his abs. I mean, all the moves that I do and, uh, <laughs> That laugh was kind of
0: quick. I like to show the four inches of protective uh, barrier I have above my abs. Mark. That's courtesy fat. Yeah.
1: And, and so he finally asks in what she's doing later that night to which she politely passes. And she goes over to the other end of the tent and Donna kind of sidles up to her and says, you, you going to hit that. <laughs> <laughs> and in comments, like you said, Alan, he, eh, I don't know about this. Like he doesn't really seem like boyfriend material. And he's, she's like, well, who said anything about boyfriend?
0: Follow the Meagle motto, use him, abuse him, lose him. Oh, my God. Well, Mark, her Grammy Meagle taught her that. And you know what? She died happy at the age of 84, mm. sandwiched between two 30-year-olds. Oh, my. It's hard to ignore wisdom like that. I know. You add you add their ages up, and that isn't
1: even. Not even close. Not even close. Well done, Good Grammy Meagle. Yeah. 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 We salute you. <laughs>
0: we salute Little you. Little
1: Sebastian salutes you.
0: Oh God, We're, we can't go there again, Mark. <laughs> so yeah, at this point, Tom,
1: Jerry, April, and Andy have all returned to Ron, who gave them their original assignments in the first place. They're kind of checking in. Right? They're kind of checking in. Yeah, and and they, they all tell him we've had no luck, including Jerry asking if April found him when she clearly doesn't have him. So maybe you know on account and maybe the horse is in her pocket. In her but pocket, you know yeah. no. So. A disappointed Ron reasons that little Sebastian can't have gone far. And you mentioned this before. He's got the legs of Tom, the endurance of Jerry and the diseases of Jerry. So (laughs) that's a bad combo there. So he can't have gone far, Alan. So and the ground mission, as they will call it, has failed. Yeah. So Ron thinks that they need a bird's eye view, looks up at the Ferris wheel.
0: And Andy, this thing is a ginormous Ferris wheel. And he's like, you want me to climb on top of the Ferris wheel? (laughs) He's like a dog that will do anything to please. But uh, uh, even if he climbed up there, I don't think it's going to make April feel any happier. He's such a lovable dimwit. Oh, oh my, my gosh. <laughs> well, Mark, in this next scene, apparently Ben is a bad luck magnet. We just let ourselves believe otherwise. And meanwhile, the blamestorming is continuing on the Ferris wheel. Oh, yikes and a half. Yeah. So. Leslie is getting ready to hold a press conference.
1: She's trying to kind of get get a, get ahead of all this crappity crap crap. And before it starts, Ben's telling a reporter, "Look, there's no curse, everything's going to be great." You know, he's trying to do Leslie's job too, you know, yeah. to keep everything in line. And the and the reporter responds, "Well, first Ice Town, now this bad luck really seems to follow you around, huh?" And you see Ben Kind of disturbed at this thought, like more than he should be. Like he's starting to really consider it's, sinking that. In. it's it's sinking in. You're exactly right. Um, so yeah, Leslie starts the press conference and addresses many false rumors being spread, likely by Joan Calamezzo. I'm thinking um, maybe. And and you know, including but not limited to uh food shortages. Uh, escaped convicts, uh, potentially parks uh, and rec employees feasting on petting Petting zoo animals animals because you never know. And and so she's trying to get ahead of things and turn them around um, to, to some success, I think. And then we kind of shift over, as you mentioned, Alan, to, uh, to operation Ferris wheel, um, <laughs> who's, who's looking the for sky a, this, sky the sky view, operation Skyview. the Mark. sky view. Uh, so they do the sky view there and they're, so the gang's on the Ferris wheel and it includes, uh, April and Andy in and one, um, I almost said container car. car yeah, that, I think they'll call them cars. Yeah, they're, they're in one container, and Ron's in another carriage. Another <laughs> Ron's in another carriage, and then Tom and Jerry, like the cat and mouse, are in another carriage. And everybody is arguing. I think except for Ron, so they are not having a good time of this.
0: No, Ron is is kind of focused. He's taking advantage of the eagle eye view, and for now, at least, he's able to ignore these other morons up there with him.
1: Andy <laughs> Andy says, look, I'm only going to say this once. What
0: if little Sebastian is on the Ferris wheel? And April says, how about you only say that? Never. Oh, my God. She's not happy. She's not. She wants to punch him. And I'm, I'm, I'm getting there with her. Yup. Yeah. Well, Mark, back over at the public address stage, the press conference continues. And once again, Joan is asking the tough questions. But you know what, Mark? I think we should just play this clip. What do you think? Oh, I agree. This is good. All right. Let's play this. Constantine?
3: Leslie, how big of a disaster will this be on a scale of nine to ten? <laughs> it will not be a disaster. It will be a success.
2: And I want to let everyone know that in an attempt to be sensitive to our Wamapoke friends, we have moved the shooting gallery per their request. So,
0: yes, per. Yeah, the, the statement that this reporter has is a question. <laughs> will that be enough to lift the curse?
2: Per, you know as well as I do that there's no such. Oh, crap on a spatula (laughs) it's the curse that's
0: exactly what
2: it is you know what everyone relax please we'll get this up and running in no time
0: oh Uh, mark mark mark
1: (laughs) so three things real quick first of all uh my aka i love it how big of a disaster will this be on a scale of nine to ten absolutely love that um second per You're so funny. I swear the the statement that this reporter has is a question. I just love that. (laughs) And then finally a little bit of a visual aspect of this, although I think that they could hear it pretty much, you know, Leslie starts to deny the existence of said curse and then all the lights go out, machines shut down. The Ferris wheel stops moving. The harvest Festival is now in total darkness. People are muttering anxiously, dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria.
0: (laughs) Alan, things are unraveling. Well, Leslie seems confident that we'll get this up and running in no time, but even Leslie has to be doubting a little bit at this point. I think she's kind of shaking in her boots. I think so, too. Yeah. Well, Mark, back over at the Ferris wheel, Tom continues to blame Jerry, and Ben is now convinced that the curse may be his fault.
1: Yeah, yeah. As per the last scene that we talked about, you know, the power is out, so the Ferris wheel has now stopped moving completely. Tom is already blaming Jerry for losing little Sebastian. Jerry's fault. But 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 now Tom also blames Jerry for the power outage, which Jerry is like, "What?" But you know, (laughs) it doesn't take much to get everyone once again to chant in Jerry's fault because why not? At the bottom of the Ferris wheel. So we hear Jerry's fault in the background at the bottom of the Ferris wheel. Leslie and Ben walk by and Leslie, as we alluded to, is clearly getting frazzled. Yeah, they can't catch a break. And it's only made worse when Ben decides to go thinking that maybe he's the curse. Like this has really gotten into his head and he thinks possibly, you know, first Ice Town, then this. Maybe he's to blame. So he's he says he tells Leslie he's going to leave and you see Leslie watch him go and she's she seems to be really disappointed. Like,
0: you know, you were my rock. Well, you're, you're right, Mark. I mean, basically Leslie says, look, we can't catch a break. And Ben says, you know what, I'm going to help you out. I'm going to go. I know. I mean, he really believes that he is part of this curse. It's just gotten in his head and you know, kind of like ice town when he's in that place, he's, he's just going to, he's not going to be any help to anybody. So He's going to leave. Poor guy. I know. Well, Mark, that was a great breakdown of the episode so far. You know, like I said at the beginning, we don't want to give it all away on the first date. So we're going to save a little bit for our next one. That's right. Very smart. Yep. And as promised, we are now going to feature a portion of our interview with the terrific Mo Collins. Oh, good. All right, everybody. Take a listen to this and we'll be right back. We'll be back. Thanks for joining us today. I think our first question for you was, you know, how did you come to Parks and Rec? I mean, did uh, the producers know you from Mad TV? I assume?
3: I suppose it was initially casting who thought of me. That's where the call came from for casting to read for this role. Then, of course, you know, that's just I mean, I knew Amy prior, but I don't know that she was necessarily aware of who was, you know, coming in to read for this this little this little part. So uh yeah, I would say cast casting brought me in and um it all went from there, you know, and boy did it change over the time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'll still I'll never forget the audition. Like it was just so completely different, just a a very green small town, you know, Pawnee, um cable access lady. <laughs> so I was just very conscious of that the green of her right just not really good at it very small town but she really Joan Joan got quite an arc she got quite full of herself in the
1: very beginning mode did you uh, think that it was going to be a recurring role or did you think it was going to be like a one and
3: done uh did not know really really didn't know um you always hope you know you see something like that and you go well it's it's a character that lives in that world. Could she return? Sure. But, you know, it's a, it's a businesses of both promises and broken promises. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, you're just uh, happy to happy to be cast at all. And, uh, you know, you hope it goes forward, which it did. It did. The ship sailed. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, what,
0: yeah, I know you had, I think 19 appearances as Joan. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a favorite or, you know, any, what are your standouts maybe?
3: Oh, gosh. Um, ah, it, it's more moments. Do you know what I mean? Like that, that just particularly. And I mean, anytime I got to work with Amy, obviously mm-hmm. was super fun. We just, uh, you know, we're cut from the same cloth. We love comedy and we both have great respect for, you know, any performer, but also it's super special. I think when you're with another comedy gal pal there and, uh, you know, she always just was like, "Ah, oh, Mo's here, leave the camera rolling, you know, so, so the improv would happen and we we could banter, you know, it was just so easy for us. So any time with Amy was super fun. And of course, trying not to laugh. There was the scene with Adam Scott, he and Amy And it's a very, you know, always the more quiet, the moments, the harder it is not to laugh for me. Cause just the more serious it goes, it just, it's like, you know, this goes back to my days growing up in church, right? Like you spot your friend and you want to (laughs) giggle when you're not supposed to.
0: Those are the best times. Yeah. it's
3: When it hits the hardest. Right. Uh, but there was a scene and it was just something about Jones Jones, uh, I think gym teacher growing up or something, but it was just the three of us in the scene. And it was really a quiet, we had to just sit there in, in silence and it nearly killed us. Like it was just about, you know, it would have, it, it, I just, it was one of the hardest things to do ever to not just, we were just sweating or I was anyway, just completely sweating, like trying so hard not to laugh and mess it up. Oh, but then when it was cut, you know, it was just bursting out laughing. Just so, so great. Oh, so fun.
0: Who had the hardest times in those kind of moments coming back from uh from a break like that? Getting it well, I,
3: I I guess I just have to say myself, just <laughs> because I I don't know how hard it was for them. I can only <laughs> attest to how hard it is for me. And and that's uh I'm a bit um, I guess I'm a it's a bit Known that I I have a hard time not laughing. And I, but I really, you know, I legit try not to, like, I don't, I don't want to. Um, so if you ever do see me laughing, it's because I literally, it's either that or, you know, I pee my pants.
1: <laughs> now those were some of the best moments on Mad TV though, oh, where, yeah. you know, you would just you crack up and the audience just went nuts. You know? I
3: know they did. And again, <laughs> You know, I never, ever, ever uh, would falsify those moments. Those were those were real. You know. Um, in fact, I would I would do things to try and make myself not laugh because it it, it got to be where cast and crew would place bets yeah. on where I would laugh. <laughs> you know, and so I was you know a little bit taken of offense to that, and just like no, I am not going to laugh. I would, I would. Uh, dig my fingernails into my hand in my pocket or things. I would think about horrible, horrible things like bad things with, you know, kittens or whatever, like anything to just to just keep myself from laughing because I I wanted to. Well, I didn't want them to win their bets.
0: (laughs) Not a year. And I wanted
3: to be professional.
0: That's right. What do you think um, Joan is doing here in 2021? And, you know, during the pandemic, I was thinking about your other character on Fear of the Walking Dead, Sarah, you know, who's who's going to do best in a pandemic? Oh, Sarah. Sarah. Yeah.
3: (laughs) She is in a pandemic. (laughs) She she knows how to survive. The fact that she's still, you know, what season six is happening right now. It's like so, yeah, yeah, she uh, she's got some survival skills. Joan. Joan, I mean, I don't know that, you know, drinking martinis with uh, aspirin on the rim is going to get her through a pandemic. Could kill her. It could kill her. <laughs> her, yes. her survival methods could actually kill her. I think that's the problem with Joan. <laughs> that's a good that's point. where things get really messy for her. Yeah.
0: Yep. <laughs> she's, she's got the coping mechanisms, but she doesn't know how to to reel them in.
3: Oh, yeah. She doesn't see that, the, you know, they're actual spoilers, <clears> you know of life yeah but uh they'll get her through a day or a night but (laughs) (laughs) but uh not so much a real pandemic
0: right that's great
3: yeah so you know you talked about the family
0: atmosphere on that show like on parks you know we talked to a few other people and you know they talked about that the fact that you know that cast was you know, you know, the core cast, of course, but the expanded cast, which definitely included you and a lot of other, you know, recurring guest stars, you know, it was a pretty tight knit group at times.
3: It is, you know, I I tell this to pretty much everybody I talk to about the show. When the captain of your ship is Amy Poehler and she has no ego, she only has everyone's best interest and comedy itself's best interest at hand. You can't come onto that ship uh, and be an asshole mm. and have, have yeah. all of that icky stuff. It doesn't really work. You know, you're the cog in that ship's wheel. Does that work? Yep. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it, um yeah. She sets the precedent. Right. And I, you know, the people though that tended to move along and become recurring, they're people that are, that are game. They're, they're kind and they're game. And uh, so so that fa- that's the way that family was built. There were, you know, real fundamental ways of of working and playing um, that just we we all kind of held dear. So, yeah, I very happily consider myself a first cousin to the show, if you will. That's great. Yeah. yeah.
1: That's awesome. We've, we've talked to a, a a couple of other people who expressed very similar sentiments and it's always so cool when you can watch a show that you, you love the characters so much, but then you hear about um, the people behind the scenes and you hear how cool they actually are. It just makes it so much better, you know?
3: I know. No, it's true. It's so true, isn't it? It's like anytime I've heard, you know, to the contrary, if I enjoyed something or an actor or something, then you find out they're just a, a jerk it's very upsetting yeah absolutely (laughs) it really is we're like oh wow the environment was crap huh yeah
1: right this is
3: all make-believe what's up with that yeah (laughs) i know you want it all just to be good yeah i know
0: back. Mark, that was terrific. Uh, Mo was such a gracious and funny guest. Um, we were very lucky to have her. And oh my I'm, gosh. I'm really looking forward to airing our entire interview with her in an upcoming episode. We'll probably do that as a spotlight episode.
1: Yeah, that, that interview was a real pleasure. Like you said, she was a very gracious host. She was funny. Uh, she was, She was happy to talk to us and she talked to us for a long time. Uh, so, yeah, I really enjoyed that. And I think others will, too.
0: That was one of our earlier interviews. And, and for lots of reasons, we just we, it was a few months ago. We haven't been able to play it. So I'm just really glad, like getting to this episode and finally getting to air part of this interview with Mo. And then we'll release it in a couple of weeks and let everybody enjoy it like we did. Awesome. Yeah. Mark, as part of part two of our coverage of this episode, where, as we said at the top of the show, we're going to feature some clips with our interview with Jay Jackson, mm. a.k.a. Perd yep. this reporter who has a question about a statement or a statement (laughs) about a question. And we know that you're going to really enjoy that as well. Oh,
1: yeah, for sure. Jay Jackson was also fun. He was very good.
0: Well, Mark, I think that about does it for our, our coverage of part one of the Pawnee Harvest Festival. I'm really looking forward to part two. How about you? Oh,
1: for sure. I think this has been a lot of fun so far. And, you know, I I, I think I can speak for both of us. You and I have both been really looking forward to this episode. And, and I would say that so far it has not disappointed in the
0: least. Absolutely not. And right. there's still a bunch to go. Oh, my gosh. A lot. That's the reason for doing this in two parts. There you go. You're so smart. I know. I know. (laughs) That's what I tell myself. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, everybody, we're really looking forward to being back with you next week for part two. And until then, goodbye. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone.
3: Live from Pawnee is a copyrighted production of The Creators. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Original music was created and performed by Aaron Emerson of Emerson Studios. Clips are used under fair use doctrine for the purpose of commentary and parody. Please see our website at livefrompani.com for more details or to contact us.